0: Amen. Amen. Oh how He loves us. Oh how He loves mm-hmm. us. And we know this not because Grandma told us, not because my mama or my daddy told us, not because a friend's on the street, not because a commercial said so, or maybe you seen it on the internet. You know if it's on the internet, it got to be true. Nah. I know that God loves me because the Bible tells me so. And God's word is truth, and God's word is life. It is dependable, and it is reliable, and it is his word. The very word of God. Praise God that I don't have to rely upon anyone else, you know, to understand this love. And praise God for the fact that even this morning, this is where we're going to be. But we, before we go any further, let us go to this loving and gracious God in prayer. Holy Father, which art in heaven, incredible God, indescribable. Your ways are so high and exalted. You are so different from us. You are so far above us. Yet, Father, you took upon humanity in order that we may know you, and that we may be near you. And, Father, this morning i come because we need you now. We need you, Father, to help us understand just how much you love us, But, Father, our understanding of love has been tainted by this world and by a man-centered understanding of love. So, Father, we need you to tear off the scales from our eyes and help us to see just how pure, how holy, and how beautiful your love is. Father, I need you. I need you because I am unworthy to preach this message. I'm not wise enough to preach this message, but you are. So, Father, I ask that you will speak now. Speak that we may hear, that we may be transformed and changed. Father, may we abide in you now and be fueled by your Holy Spirit. Father, most of all, supremely, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And it it is in his name that we go forward. For your glory and name's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. We praise God for such a wonderful worship this morning. And we continue in worship. As our lives and everything that we do consists of worship. The question is: who are you worshiping? That's the only question. So we continue in worship to this mighty and great and awesome God. And before us this morning. We have a text that just exposes the beauty of God and his love. And and the reason why we're we're here now is, as we proceed into this year, our theme is living in all of God. And what better way to begin to understand and begin to see just how awesome God is than looking at his love. Love that he has for us, but, but also we, we look at this text because God is doing something marvelous here at force and he is improving our community amongst one another. He is improving our accountability in order that through this community of faith that he will be glorified. So he's, he's bringing us together, and as he brings people together, you know what? Sometimes it gets a little crowded. See, but what God is doing, he's moving us from being guests in one another's home. You know how you, you have a guest in your home. They come, they, you may feed them, and then they leave. But God is doing something marvelous where we're not going to just be guests in one another's home. We're going to be living in each other's house. And you know, just like I know, that when someone changes from being a guest to being a resident, it gets a little tight sometimes. So as we look at this text, we're going to learn how to love well because it's going to get tight. But God is able to mend our hearts and to use us for his glory. So going forward, we're going to need to love well. See, love is one of those things that sometimes it's easier to, to show it than explain love. Because if you ask the average person, what it means to love well, you'll you'll get quite a few different answers. So love is definitely one of those things that's that's better caught than Uh taught. See, if if I grew up in a home where love and affection was conveyed to me through hugs and kisses, then most likely I'm going to associate hugs and kisses with loving well. But then on the flip side, if I'm in a home where there's harsh language and a lot of criticism in the name of love, then I'm going to associate loving well with being harsh and critical. So love is something that's caught, not taught. And and our experiences mold and shape just what we think love is and our expectations of what love is. And what about the culture in which we live? The culture has something to say. It gets in on the act. And the world teaches that we are to show love in ways like buying gifts for, for one another. You gotta buy these The gifts has to be just right. Oh, he went to Jared's. <laughs> it has to be just right to show love. And it, if we're exposed to images of love being shown going from bed to bed, then likely we're gonna associate loving well with the same, what most of us understand love to be comes from this collection of experiences over the years and, and what we see in this culture. So, so let me ask you a question, though, about your understanding of love. How's that going for you? How's that going, your expectation of what love should look like? How's that going? Because this man-made Man-centered love has has led to much frustration, much hurt, and much pain. And then in return, we bring frustration, hurt, and pain into the lives of those who are even close to us. And the only way to move beyond this dysfunction is to cast our vision on something better, a better representation and a better image of what love is. So we cast our vision upon an example where love is patient and kind, where love does not envy or boast, where it is not arrogant or rude, where love doesn't insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, where love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth.
1: Where love bears
0: all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This example where love never fails. That's right. We look to God. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 John, the fourth chapter. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 12. 12. 1 John, the fourth chapter, verses 7 through 12. I want to tag this text this morning. Reclaiming a divine vision of love frees us to love well. Reclaiming a divine vision of love frees us to love well. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. This is the word of God. Hear the voice of Christ. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that... We have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. You may be seated. May the Lord bless blessing to the reading of His Word. The Apostle John, who is described in scriptures as the disciple who Jesus loved, writes this letter. So I'm thinking that he may know a little something about what it means to be loved well and what it looks like. He sends this letter out and he sends it out in order to expose some lies that has crept into the church. And just as we come today, so did those who desire to reclaim a divine vision of love. And in reclaiming a divine vision of love, it is necessary to first recognize where love comes from. Where where does this love even begin? And the scripture tells us in verse 7 that love is from God. Beloved, beloved, let us love one another. Why? Why? Where love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John begins his letter with why he needs to cast a vision of love. Why he needs to cast an image of divine love for the people. Because he knows that Jesus has commanded his church to love one another. Jesus commend that, love one another. He understands that, but yet also he understands that loving people ain't easy. It's not. Don't front. You you ever tried loving you? (laughs) You you got issues. We got issues. It's hard to love the community, and sometimes loving one another in the midst of community gets messy. And a man-centered love just won't do. It won't unite. It won't exalt. It won't build up. So he needed to expose lies with truth. And as, as one of Jesus' disciples, he, he, he was familiar with this. In walking with Jesus, his entire ministry was about shining light, bringing truth where darkness and lies live. That's what Jesus did. In the Sermon on the Mount, where Israel is being prideful and proud of their heritage, what what does Jesus say to them? The truth is, only the poor in spirit will come to God. And then he says things like, the Pharisees telling the people, all you need to do is give, fast, and pray. You'll be all right with God. He says, no, you need a clean heart to be right with God. Nicodemus comes before Jesus with his credentials. He says, look at me, Jesus, I have this. Jesus says, no, no matter what you have, you must be born again. Jesus is flipping the script, all through scripture, but he's bringing truth. John is bringing truth here for us. And he points to this divine wellspring of love, where we see that God is the source of love and not man. Not commercials, not jewelry stores, not, not new vehicles and, and gifts. Man has nothing to do with love. Because when, when God is the source of love, then we know it's pure, it's clean, it's beautiful, it lifts up. We we see it. When God shines his his light on us and pours in our hearts the Holy Spirit, we that pure love. When God is the source of love, it it doesn't cut off. It it keeps going in spite of. And it flows in spite of. When When God is the source, it doesn't run out. It's eternal. And I love the fact that when God is the source of love, it doesn't doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter where I've been or what I used to do or what I look like or what side of the tracks I grew up on. It doesn't matter my, my status in life. He loves freely. But when man is the source of love, we, we, it, it is impure. Why is it impure? Because it's tainted by our feelings. And, and that's what we, we get loving people when we feel like it. Sin has taken something that is pure, clean, and beautiful and made it ugly and wrestled it for its own motivations. When man is at the center of, of love, it can be cut off. You ever been cut off before? I'm going to cut you off. Woo. get in an argument, you cut off emotionally, the person's still in the house with you. But you couldn't tell. Ain't no talking going on. You're in a relationship, boyfriend a girlfriend, and you cut off. You ain't getting texts no more. You ain't getting a Facebook post talking about, oh, my boo, my boo took me shopping today. It ain't like that no more. When you cut off. When when man is the center of love, guess what? Sometimes it runs out. Sometimes, sometimes grandma love just runs out. You've been acting a fool for too long. She's tired. She's been loving you. Human weakness. Our inability. And when love is from man, it, it discriminates. If, if you're not in a certain clique, if you don't have a certain walk, if you don't have a certain talk, I, I'm going to choose and to be specific about how I love and who I love. One author says, we like to pick and choose the people to whom our love will be directed. We want God to send us people who will be worthy of our love. We want people who will genuinely, I like this, we want people who will genuinely appreciate what we are doing for them. We want to love people who are easy to love. Ah, that's our biggest, comp- we want to love the people who are most lovable. And I think, I think that's why we run to superstars and we're so attracted by uh, uh, people who are famous just for being famous. But they, they, they seem so lovable. Why? Because everybody else loves them. I love them too. It's easy to love them. But it's that one-on-one, it's that when a person's in your life, can you still love them. I mean, uh, God's love, he, uh, imagine like the Colorado Rockies, those mountains. And at the tip of that mountain, this this spring is flowing up and it is pouring down the mountain, this refreshing, cooling water. That, you know the stuff that they buy on sell to us in the store, that, that clean stuff. It tastes real good. No impurity. You don't got chlorine in it. It's, it's pure, and it's flowing down this mountain. See, when we think about God's love, we go to the top, of the. we cast our eyes to the top and see where it comes from, and when it comes straight out of the source, it's beautiful, it's pure, and it, and it doesn't stop. But as it goes down the mountain, and those creepy crawlies start getting into it, and those animals be washing themselves and using the restroom in this, in this water, and, and you're at the bottom of the mountain now, and it'll hit the rocks and all the sediment. See, see, that's our love. See, our love is dirty, and it got stuff in it. And, and it, it's a lot of mess that comes with our love, and, and you really wouldn't want to drink out a of bottle of my love because it's pretty dirty, and you ain't no telling what's in it. But when you look to God, we have an understanding of what love should look like. He's the source. Love does not come from mankind. So we can't define love. I don't just come up with how to love my wife and my children. I, I, I don't just come up with that. See, but when I'm impacted by God's love, I become a conduit through which love is flowing through. I become the tip of the faucet. And Jesus turns me on and I flow this, this love, this free-flowing love onto those I come in contact with. That's what he's talking about. Let us love one another. Why? For love is from God. And whoever love has been born of God, God is living with me. I know God, so now I can love. This is how others will know that we're part of God's family. This is how how people know that you are a child of God, by your ability to love because God loves through you human love will always fall short always see but not only not only is god the divine source of love he his very nature is love verse 8 anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love john he 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 goes from the from a positive affirmation to the negative if anyone who does not love does not know God and he's he's putting this test before the people in the church the certain people had had had, had risen up and, and began lying about their authority and what the church should look like and and what they should and shouldn't do and and what John does masterfully he gives believers a Not condemnation. See, I I had to really repent as as I was going through this text because I would come to 1 John and preach it like condemnation. But God says, if you ain't this, you ain't saved. If you ain't live like this or if you ain't, you ain't saved. And yes, it does say that, but what John is doing, he's providing a way for believers to sniff out those who are false, but yet still affirm their relationship with God. So in this affirmation, he is going through and laying out this test, a positive affirmation and a negative to see, do you know God? Who is really a part of this body of Christ? And he's saying, if you you do not love, you don't know God. It's fundamental. We we take mission trips to Puerto Rico, and it's like me saying, I'm having a conversation with you, and they say, Nate, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Puerto Rico. Really? Yeah. Born and raised there. I grew up there all my life. Really? Yeah. You know Spanish? Nope. but you just said you was from Puerto Rico. Yeah, from there, but you don't know Spanish. Nope, it makes no sense for a Christian to say they love God, but yet can't love their brother. It makes no sense because, because the very nature of who God is lives within you, so now you need to be loving because why? God is in you. So it makes sense. When we say God is love, and, and, I, and I, like, I like how, I, I love, I love how this plays out because it's not, love is not just like one activity of God. All his activities are loving. Everything he does is loving. When he walks, is love. When he talks, is love. When he looks at you, is love. Oh, and when he touches you, it's love. Every single thing that God is doing is loving. That's why the scriptures can say God is love. There's not a moment, not a second where God does not love or, or, or where where he is looking for love. See, that's that's the key right there. The divine love is never wanting. Man-centered love is always wanting. Human beings are in an endless pursuit for love. And, and, and instead of exalting God and saying, God is love, the, the human being, everyone, everyone here, we, we desperately exalt love, and instead of crying, God is love, we cry, love is God. Now, instead of looking to God, I'm just looking to love for love's sake because I need love. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of love songs made and sang. I didn't even want to print out lyrics because the lyrics are so foolish (laughs) about what love is, what they're looking for. Love is not a ooey-gooey feeling. It's a It's a tangible way of setting your affections upon someone. We cry, love is God. And and man-centered love, we see this in in marriages where one of the the spouses feel like they're not being loved like they should be or deserve to be loved because love has become God. And, and And when you worship God, you will fight to get that God, so when I don't feel like I'm being loved, I'm going to lash out at you. This is, this is the, the abused husband or abused wife. You, 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 why why does that person stay? Well, she says she loves me. He said he loves me. Love is God, it's, it's causing you to do foolish things because love is your God. Human man centered love is performance based. As long as I can keep, keep this job so I can keep buying gifts and I can keep taking her out to eat and I can keep putting flight. So it's performance based because as soon as you fail, you are not going to get that love back. In dating relationships, this, this is big. Young folks, young folks, focus up. In your dating relationships, You're going, you're losing your mind over that boy and over that girl because you are so love deprived, you think that person will fill that void. Love is your God. It's idolatry. You're chasing after a feeling. And that's why we have to keep chasing, because feelings fade. And that's why you that's why y'all break up after a week. And you get another boyfriend, another girlfriend the next week. Because you're chasing feelings. You're chasing your God. God is love. Commercials show this to us. If I see another commercial that tells me all I need to buy is some cologne, now I have all the women. Or all I need to do is crack open a beer and we got a party. The train, coming, everybody on board. (laughs) See, the the world's love don't show you the after effects. They don't show you when the party's over and everyone's drunk, disgusted, throwing up, broken homes because of alcoholism. The world's love don't show you it's two-faced. But God loves. He lays it plain before you, this is who I am. And as long as God is love, you you will never be lacking. God's love will fill not just the the hole in your heart and and, and the gaps of your life. God's love overflows abundantly, abundantly overflows. Lord God, you're not just enough. You're, You're more than enough. When 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 God's love fills me up because God is love, I don't have any need to lash out no more because I'm love. God loves us well. This is the this this is the truth that Christians we gotta rest in. We have to rest in the fact that God is love and He is the source, He is the standard. Because I I I rest knowing that I am loved. If no one has ever loved me a day in my life, I can come to the scriptures and see that God loves me. If no one has ever loved me like I think I deserve, I can come to the scriptures and see that God loves me. I am fully loved. I am absolutely, entirely, intimately, perfectly, positively, Thoroughly, totally, utterly, and wholly loved by God. There is no lack in my life. And there is no way possible for anyone or anything else to love me more. Ephesians, you don't don't have to turn. In Ephesians, the third chapter, beginning with verse 14, to comprehend. He's praying that he's praying, I hope y'all get this. I hope y'all understand what's going on because it's powerful and you can't get it on your own. You need God to show you this for real. And he says, being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. If you never felt love before today, know that God loves you. God's love is great because God is great. God love his love is all-powerful because he's all-powerful. And this love never fails because God never fails. We are filled with that fullness. The apostle moves. He now switches. He switches gears. He switches speeds. Because in the beginning, he gives us the definition. He is showing us. Open the book and look on the page. This is love. God is the source and God is love. And then in verses 9 through 12, the apostle, he he moves and he he begins to illustrate what this love looks like. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest. It, 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 It came on display. It is clearly seen. Made manifest among us that God sent his only son, the, the only, the one and only, this only begotten. It's, it's, it's not a bunch of sons in heaven chilling. His only son, his very best. He sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. These are truths that the Apostle John wants readers to return to time after time after time after time. Not only are they, are they to look to God as the definition and standard of love, they, they look to God to see love in action because love is always, always, always demonstrated by action. Love is a verb. It's an action word. It does something. You can't just say I love you and do nothing. And he's saying it, God is making it clear and he's making it obvious. This lofty, this high and and holy view of love is on display. And how is his love on display? It's on display by God being proactive. He's proactive because God is looking down and he sees that we need him. There's no way that we can reconcile ourselves back to God. We need Him. If you look down a few verses, verse 19, John explains this more because he says, We love, it ain't complicated. We love because He first loved us. The only way it's even possible for me to fix my lips to say I love Jesus is because in eternity past, he said, I love you. Before I was even created, he was already saying I love you. Understand the implications of that. You was loved before you was even here. Before you even had breath. Before you were stanking up diapers, you was already loved. It's proactive. God moves first. He leads this dance. This demonstration of love is, is, is not only in the sending, but the descending of Jesus. Why? That we might live through him. So this love is proactive, but this love is life-giving. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sin, We were dead to this world. We did not want God. We did not need God. We weren't thinking of God, and then he showed up. Ephesians 2 and 4 says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Born spiritually dead, yet this love gives life. In verse ten, he he continues this this explanation of how God shows us His love, and and God not only demonstrates love by by seeing and and moving on our knee, but He does so freely. Because God's love is unconditional. Look at this in verse ten: "In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. Not that I woke up and I and and I." made myself right. Not that I I, I read my Bible. Not that I went to church. Not that I had a good day. Not that I didn't cuss anyone out. No, it's I cannot do anything. It's unconditional love. Here go God in these paradoxes. It's unconditional yet it's conditional. It's unconditional in that It's free to us. But it's conditional in that someone had to pay a price. And the conditions were that you were perfectly perfectly obedient, perfectly righteous, and perfectly holy, but that condition is met in Jesus Christ. So it's conditioned on Jesus Christ, but it's unconditional for me. Because when I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I get those conditions fulfilled for me. This, this love, not only is it unconditional, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Divine love is also sacrificial. We needed a savior because we stand guilty before God. Why? Why did Jesus need to come? Because we are sinners in need of a Savior. We're guilty of rebellion. We're guilty of idolatry. We're, we're guilty of lying. We, we're guilty of, of stealing. We're guilty of hate. We're, we're so we're guilty. But God. Love Loves us well. And he does something. Propitiation is not a word we need to run from. It's a word we should cling to. Propitiation is simply a, uh, a sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God. Making us propitious, favorable towards God. Making him favorable towards us. We were headed for his wrath, destruction, and, and, and a sacrifice was given on our behalf. A sacrifice is Jesus. And, and as we stare into this text and see that God sent the Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the beauty is in the fact that this is the pinnacle of love. This is the height. This is the best. This is the greatest. There's no greater gift of love than Jesus. Because through Jesus, we see that God is perfectly proactive. He's a a limitless life giver. He's unequally unconditional. And he is supremely sacrificial. God does it all because he loves. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, this love of God should not be taken for granted. But I take it for granted every day. You take it for granted every day. We take this love for granted when we won't forgive. When we hold grudges. We take this love for granted. For you were forgiven much because of his love. We take this love for granted when we take out our frustration on others. So what? You had a bad day. Your child ain't had nothing to do with that. Stop yelling at them. We take it for granted every day when we expect to be loved according to our standards. Like We really define what love is. Well, I feel love best when I get gifts. Well, I feel love best when when my, my food ready when I get home really let's face it we're, we can be downright unlovable yet even in all our mess he pours forth his love relentlessly he's relentless he doesn't let us go And if we ever come to doubt the love of God, we need only to look to Jesus and the cross. That's that's the text right right there. You want to see my love? Look at the cross. I sent Jesus, my greatest possession, to die for you because he loves us Brother, you can be kind to your wife and children. Because he loves us, sister, you, you can believe the best when there's miscommunication. Because he loves us, brother, you, you can work with patience without complaining about a difficult boss. Because he loves us, sister, you can be content with how God created you. Because he loves us, brother, you can Complete all of your homework and not be irritated. Because he loves us, sister, you can rejoice in truth and not in gossip. I can love others because he has loved me with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever love. His love is beautiful. I haven't even jumped in verses 11 and 12. I don't want to do them injustice. But what the Apostle John is saying is for us to love one another. And when we do love one another, though God is not seen, people will see the God in us. And when we love one another, people will see God here. And as he sends forth his love through the Son to us, And back through one another, back to him, his love is made perfect. Why do we need to love well? Because we ought to love one another. We want to do it right. We want to do it well. But also because we are called. We are obligated to love well. We are commanded to love one another. Is your love proactive? Or you kind of wait, are they going to love me first? No, no, it's like this. Yeah, I see them come. They going to speak to me first. Hi, brother. So, Oh, how you doing? You better spoke. Are we proactive? Is your love life-giving? Do the words that come out of your mouth bring life or death? Are you edifying or are you tearing down? What about unconditional? Is your love unconditional? Can, can, Can I make a mistake and say something wrong and do something wrong and not have to worry about you hating me? Friends fail, but they're still friends. What about sacrificial? Do you love sacrificially or only when it's convenient, when it won't cost you much? Yeah, well, I got 40 in my pocket. I guess I'd give them five. I know they need 30, but hey, they better be grateful. Hmm. when we reclaim a vision of divine love, it frees us to love well, because we understand just how much we fall short. I'm free because I'm a failure. I'm free because I can't love like this. I'm free because this standard is too much for me. Yet, God is still calling me to love like this. So the freedom comes in the one who was able. The freedom comes in Jesus Christ. This vision of divine love rightly reclaims I have your love. No matter what our standards of love is, it's low. And we actually need to raise our standards. I tell that to my young ladies all the time don't have a low level of expectation for these boys. If he can't afford a belt, he can't afford to take care of you. This vision of divine love is foreign to this world. What we're talking here is crazy out there. You mean love everybody? Unconditionally? Unconditionally? Being nice, like for real? The world qualifies as love. God does not. Because we're qualified in Christ Jesus. Loving well is about taking proper care and having proper concern. How, how, do we, how do we do this? Simple things. Things you, you wouldn't even have thought. Like loving your children well is actually checking their text messages. That's actually loving them. Because you're guarding them from this world. Loving well is actually, this is me, seeing the trash can full and doing something about it. Little things. Loving well is is greeting someone at the door with a smile. How can I help? Do you need anything? What are we to do? Because we can't we can't love like this. It's impossible because we're humans. We go through the source. We go to the source, we go before God, and we go broken, and we go without pride, and we go without an ego, and we say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to love well. It's difficult for me on this job. It's difficult for me in this marriage. It's difficult for me at school. But, Lord, you're able to help me love well. Lord, help me love well. And then we rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has freed us to love well. I'm I'm no longer enslaved to sin and sin's mindset. I'm no longer enslaved to how this world operates. I'm no longer enslaved to to what people think about me. I'm, I'm no longer enslaved by peer pressure. I'm no longer enslaved by keeping up with the Joneses. God has freed me to love. Now I can love. He has freed me through his propitiation. Paying the price for sin that I could never pay. And giving me his his righteousness in return. For those who turn from their sin and trust Christ, he frees you. Many of us are enslaved because we grew up thinking we were never loved. And Jesus said you can be free today because God is love. Love is from God. Love is the nature of God. And it is God who puts love on display. When we're, when ego and pride is crushed under the gravity of this vision, this glimpse of the beauty of love, then we're ready. One author Puts it this way, love is self-sacrifice, the seeking of another's positive good at one's own cost, and a greater self-giving than God's gift of his son there has never been, nor could be. Take a moment. Examine your relationships. Do I love my spouse well? Do I love my children well? And my loving co-workers well. Because when we do, they will see God. And for many, we're the only God that they will ever see. Some of us who have trusted in Christ, who do know the power of his resurrection, we we may have been quite unloving. But there's power in the cross. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And we need only to return to the source. Return to the foot of the cross today. That you may be cleansed, that you may be purified by the blood of Jesus. Just return to it to the source of love. However, the scripture also says that only those who know God know love. So I will argue if you do not know God, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you really don't know what love is. If you do not know God, then you don't know what love is, and you will always be hurt by false expectations. You will always have a low view of love. You will always be frustrated and upset because you don't know who love is come today. Know that no matter where you come from, what you've done, God has love for you. And the beautiful thing about it is anyone in a real relationship with God can be transformed into a loving person. That's the amazing grace. You could have been the most mean, the most hard-hearted, The most hard headed, difficult, trying, good for nothing, no good, around town person. But as soon as the love of God impacts your heart, everything changes. And you're free to love because it's God that's doing the changing and not you. Reclaiming a divine vision of love frees us to love. Well, see love for what it is, and see love for what it has done for you and for me. Let us pray. Father God, your love is amazing. Oh, how you love us. Oh, how you love us that you gave your only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Father, we thank you for the life that is in Christ Jesus. We're so thankful that he satisfies every condition that we may benefit. We're so grateful that he was the propitiation for our sins. We were guilty, and he was sinless. So, Lord, we say thank you for giving us your best, your very best in Jesus Christ. And Father, this day I ask that you will pour out your love into someone's heart, that they will be impacted and changed, knowing that if they ain't never been loved before, that you love them right now. Father, may we go from this place loving one another, that you may be put on display, that your love may be perfected in us and through us. And Father, I ask you continue to do a marvelous work here at Forest Baptist Church as you draw us into closer community, help us to love one another well, not for our sake, but for your glory, for your honor, because you are deserving. Lord, we love you today, but we stand able to say that because you first love us. So thank you, God. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.